morning. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Glad you're worshiping with us. Glad if you're online. Thanks for worshiping alongside of us here, those that are in person. Hey, if this is your first time, second time, maybe you consider yourself a guest, don't forget to stop by guest services. Uh, we have a team out there that would love to meet you, uh, share some information with you. They have a little gift for you as you're considering maybe making Central Community Church your church home. Well, I knew at some point that this sermon series would be put to the test for me. I've been up here preaching and sharing God's word. I knew that I would get tested. I just didn't know that it was going to get tested this week at Windshape by one of the young men there. You see, on Monday, I was upstairs and I was running around with the kids and this young boy came up to me and he goes, hey, I know you. I've seen you on TV before. I smiled and, and waited a minute to see what else he would say. And he kind of looks at me, turns his head, kind of, you know, makes a little look. And he goes, you know, you look a lot better on TV. <laughs> and I just kind of stare back, kind of shocked that he said it. And so it's like he realized that maybe I needed to hear it again. And so he said, no, seriously, you do. <laughs> and so I had to go back to week one and remind myself I'm a new creation which means I'm a child of God, so I need to bear fruit with this kid and be patient. And no matter what he said, I was still God's masterpiece. So you can see that it actually does uh, get applied in our lives. But this last week, man, it was such a great week. It was a fun week. Uh, We had so much fun and truth was shared. We had 14 kids come to know Jesus this past week. Yes. Yes, and when you combine that truth and you combine, that, combine it with that fun, man, you have an incredible week of camp. And so we have a little highlight video for you this morning. I, wanna wa- I want you to watch it with me. 12, 11, 10, 9, ignition sequence start. 6, you can see, it was an amazing week. And I just want to thank everyone that was a part of it. We had tons of volunteers, Elizabeth and Kids Ministry, John and Facilities, Joel and Tech. They all poured into it, not just this week, but for months leading into it. 
Uh, Chick-fil-A played a big part. Uh, both locations here on the west side were so generous and so good to us. And the Windshape staff was, was amazing. And it was really neat to see so many kids come together from the community. It wasn't just Central Community Church kids. It truly was kids from all over. And that's what's important is for us as a church to be pouring into kids in our community as a whole and making sure that they know who Jesus is. So thank you everyone for uh, making that happen this past week. Well, on Monday, I was talking with a friend of mine, and he brought up that football season is right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing, right? And so maybe you were like me and him, and we started talking about our favorite teams and kind of sharing about the upcoming season. And so I'm curious, how many of you shared your favorite sports team with someone else this past week? Anybody? Did you talk about your favorite sports team? Man, first service, everybody shared it. They must watch sports a lot more. Well, how many of you shared your favorite restaurant with somebody? You want to share your favorite restaurant? Maybe you shared the place that you work or your business. Anybody? A few of you? Yeah. How many of you shared your political views with somebody? Yeah, that's the same reaction we got in first service. Everyone laughed and pulled their hand down real fast. How many of you shared Jesus with somebody this past week? I see some hands going up. That's good. Well, I don't ask the question to you this morning to make you feel bad in any way. You see, that's just the question that God asked me at the beginning of the week, and now I'm passing it along to you. But in full disclosure, when I got asked that question at the beginning of the week, I wish I would have had a different answer. I didn't have the answer I was looking for at the beginning of the week, but when God asks those questions, it's not because he wants to know the answer. He already knows it, doesn't he? He asks us the question, so we have to realize the answer, and we have to wrestle with it. And so once he brought it to my attention, the week looked a whole lot different. I was able to share the gospel. I was able to share Jesus with with people in our community, in a care home, at the camp. I was able to to talk with a 10-year-old boy who accepted Jesus, and it was such an incredible time, and I'm thankful for that. But I think God's asking us the question here this morning for this reason— He wants to know where our priorities are. He wants to know where our emphasis is. Because see, there's things in our life all of the time that we represent on a daily basis. And and depending on how we treat them, our identity can form around it. If we become passionate and engaged with our job, guess what? Our identity is going to start to form around that job. If we become very passionate and engaged with a political party, guess what? Our identity is going to start to shape around that political party. But the, true is, or the same is true for Jesus, that when we engage with Jesus, when we become passionate about Jesus, when we start to share Jesus with other people, our identity starts to form around Jesus. And that's what we've been talking about, hasn't it been? That our identity is in Jesus and in through Jesus. And so this morning, as we begin to kind of wrap up this series, and this is the last one of this series, I just want to encourage you. Jesus is telling us that we've been given a new identity. We've learned about it. We understand kind of what it looks like. Well, now it's our job to share that identity, to share the good news with other people in our lives. So would you stand with me out of respect for God's word as we read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray. 
Father, we are thankful to have a new identity. We are thankful for that new identity that you have given us in Jesus. Now you call us to be your ambassadors. Help us not to represent the things of this world, but to remember and focus on our task to represent you, Jesus, first and foremost. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I think it's kind of neat. Today we're back into 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you remember all the way back to week 1, that's where we started this journey, isn't it? We started in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 as our primary text. You'll remember it was this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. So we realized that we were this new creation. God has made us new. Old's gone, new is here. And then for the last two weeks, God's kind of taken us on this journey where we've looked at how we are children of God and to be spirit-led and bear fruit. That we are God's masterpiece created for good works. And today, he brings us back to where we began, full circle, to end where we started. And so we pick up in verse 18 here this morning. It says, all of this is from God. Remember, it's the new creation we just read. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So when we look at the word reconciled, what we see is really the the deep meaning of that is to thoroughly change or to exchange. And so in the context of who we are, our relationship with God has completely changed. We were once hostile and separated from God, and through our new identity, we are now in relationship with God. The old is gone, the new is here. And so we see that, that God reconciled us to himself by changing our identity, by making us new so that we could become in relationship with him. And at the end of this, we see that now that we know what reconciliation is, because he's done it for us, He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So that means that we've been given a task. You and me have been given the task of carrying out the message of reconciliation. We look at verse 19 here. It says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So we see in verse 18 that he's given us the task of reconciliation, And in verse 19, we see that he has given us the message of reconciliation. It's not my message. It's not your message. It's his message. The message that he has given to all of us. And so we pick up then in verse 20, which we just read. So we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So we see that now now in our new identity that God has given us a task, he's given us a message, and he wants to use you and me as his vessels for that message. He wants to make his appeal through you and me. And so he gives us the title and the authority of ambassador. An ambassador is someone that goes on someone else's behalf, usually a, a kingdom or a ruler or a country, and goes somewhere to deliver a message to those people. And there's really two parts of being an ambassador. One is to bring the message. And the other piece is to be a representative. See, you and I have been called to not only be a messenger, 
but to also be a representative of God's message of reconciliation. And so we're going to come back to this here in just a second. But when we start thinking about the message, we see in verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We see the message. It's the message of reconciliation, isn't it? It's the good news. We see that the message to be shared is the good news of the gospel. That Jesus took on our penalty. The sin we commit deserved penalty, but Jesus took it on himself. He took it to the cross. He took our penalty in exchange. We are given the righteousness of God. We are made right with God. We are justified God with God through Jesus. It's the message of the gospel. It's the good news. So in these passages, we see a whole lot in a, just a few verses where God gives us a task. He gives us the message. He calls us ambassadors, gives us that authority. And then just to make sure that we know what the message is, he reminds us in verse 21, this is the message of reconciliation. It is the gospel. It is the good news. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so now we're going to take a little bit of a look as an ambassador. We have two roles again, remember? One is to be a messenger. One is to be a representative. And so while we're not going to be able to cover everything that a messenger would do, we're going to focus on three things this morning. Three aspects of a messenger that I think are really important that God wants us to think about and know about this morning. And the first one is this. A messenger should have urgency. We look at verse 20 in there and we see... The second half of that, we implore you on Christ's behalf. And implore is a word used there that has urgency. It's not just a casual passing like where we ask you. No, there is urgency behind it. Some definitions even say it's to beg in the moment. We should have urgency behind the message. Because we know the importance of that message, don't we? We know that that message brings people into relationship with God. And we don't want people to live for even a moment without being in relationship with God. We should care for them so much and, and have such a love for God and each other that we want to connect people who are lost and broken and hurting with God. So there should be an urgency behind it. You and I, none of us know when our last breath will be either. So we want to take advantage of the opportunities that we have right now. And we want to be able to share the good news with others because we don't know when they will take their last breath either. That should create urgency behind getting the message out to the world that needs to hear the good news. The second point is this. We should be proactive. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Notice the feet that bring the good news. It doesn't mean that we just wait for people to come on to us. I don't know about you, but I haven't had a lot of people knock on my door lately saying, hey, can you tell me the good news? I was just wondering. I thought maybe you could share it. No, we're called to go out and bring the good news to people. 
We see in that passage that people believe through hearing. And so we're going to talk about living out our faith and looking like Jesus. But at some point, they have to hear the good news. They have to hear the message of the gospel. They have to hear it so that they can have an opportunity to respond to it. But that means that you and me, we got to get out of the pews, don't we? We got to get off the couch. We got to get a little uncomfortable sometimes and bring and take the good news out into the world. God sent Jesus into the world and he's sending you and me out in it as well to bring the good news to people. Third thing is this. A messenger should use wisdom. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We have to be wise in our interactions and and encounters with the outside world. And what this means is that how we present the message to each and every person should be specific to them. That means like this past week when I was talking to the 10-year-old, I chose to present it a little bit differently, and we talked about some different things than I did to the person that I went and visited in the care home. The message wasn't different. It's God's message. We don't change the gospel, but we change how we present it at times. You know, when God reached out to you and probably got a hold of your heart, it felt like it was so specific to you, didn't it? Wasn't God speaking just to you? And we should join God in that and try to present it in a way that is specific to the individual that you're talking to. You might be wondering, well, how am I supposed to know how to do that? It's a good question. The answer is to ask God to give you the words. I can't tell you how many times I have conversations with people, and guess what? When the conversation starts, I don't have everything prepared. I know the gospel. I know the message. I know the truth of it. But during the conversation, I'm asking God, going, God, help me to know what to say to this person. How do I make it personal to them? I know you have a message for them. Help show it to me. Help give it to me so I can just be the vessel. Help show me and tell me the words I need to use and help give me the words that I shouldn't use. But we have to be wise. If we're to make, take advantage of every opportunity, we have to be wise. We have to be specific and intentional and try to reach that person that we're with. God has set up that meeting for a reason. And we need to take advantage of it by being wise. And if any of us lacks wisdom, remember what James says. Ask God and he'll what? Give it to you generously. So if you find yourself in that position where you're going, I don't know what to say or how to say it, ask God in that moment and he will come through for you and he will give you the words to say if you listen to him. Well, those are three things to focus on in in being a messenger. But let's look at being a representative. As a representative, how you represent your sender will either enhance or hinder your message. This is kind of where the rubber meets the road and, and we have to ask the question, do our actions and words, do they match? Do they line up? What we're preaching and what we're saying, does it match our lifestyle? Can people see the good news and how we live or is it just words? It makes a difference. 
If they can see how we represent God in the kingdom and we're representing God in a, in a good way, it helps and enhance the message. But the opposite's true as well. If we're not living out the message, if they don't see us representing the kingdom well, it's going to hinder the message. Think about it this way. If, if a salesman comes into a boardroom and he's presenting to this board and, and he says, you should go with our company. We're trustworthy. You can count on us. We have integrity. And then later that night, they all go out to dinner. And the board overhears this gentleman who made that pitch earlier in the day lying to one of the waitresses or the waiters or to someone in the party. Doesn't it make you question what he said in the boardroom? Doesn't it make you question the message that he delivered earlier when he said, you can trust me. We're full of integrity. You can count on us. It doesn't enhance the message by his actions. It hinders it. It creates doubt and makes us go, man, I don't know. I don't know if I really can trust you. I don't know if when it comes down to it, are, are, are you really a company that has integrity? Because you don't seem to be representing that company very well. As representatives, the honor and the reputation of the kingdom are in your hands and mine. Remember, we represent a different kingdom, don't we? We re represent the kingdom of God. We are children of God and belong to that kingdom. And so the honor is in our hands. It depends on how you live it out and what that looks like. He's called us to live it out. We must. And so think about it. You and me, how we live, what we say, what we do, it all makes a difference. Think about it in the context of even just your family. Think about in, in your family, if you are sharing the gospel in your family, if you're telling your kids, those that are closest to you, God loves you, and he loves us, and, and God cares for you. And then the kids hear me and my wife arguing about something. It doesn't help the case of the gospel, does it? No, we've got to live it out. And so you're, we're around unbelievers all of the time, and as we're representing the kingdom the kingdom has to look appealing to them. The kingdom has to look enticing. They should look at the kingdom and go, I want to belong to that kingdom. Tell me more. But a lot of times when they look at our kingdom and we come to them with the message that God loves you. God loves all of us and, and we love you. But then they've heard over and over again all throughout the week at work or wherever you are, complaining and griping and voicing concerns and frustrations about other people. It doesn't seem like the kingdom's very loving, does it? No, so it makes a difference how we represent the kingdom in our daily lives. We talked about that a few weeks ago, that our new identity should cause us to live differently. They have to line up because it will either enhance the message or it will hinder it. Well, there's something that we haven't talked about yet in all of this, and it really binds all of it together, and it's love. Do you realize that the message of the gospel, the good news, it is a message of love? And so a message of love must be delivered and received through love. I want to remind you that when we begin the gospel message, we usually go to John 3, 16, don't we? We say, for God so loved the world. God wants the world to feel his love. 
Do you know how they feel God's love? Through you and me. We are supposed to be the vessel of God's love in this world. Now, it's hard to love, isn't it? It's hard to love sometimes. We don't even know how to love if it wasn't for God. We know that God is love. And that's the importance of us spending that time with God so that we can begin to understand what love really looks like. And when we begin to understand the love of God, now it can flow through us out into the world, out to those that we interact with. But God wants the world to feel loved. And it's you and me. It's our job to be that vessel of love out into the world. It's not an easy job, is it? But we can rely and we can count on God to help us to be able to do that. Because it's not just about truth. If it was just about sharing truth, we'd just buy more billboards around town. We'd just send out more flyers. Because we can put truth on any of that. But you see, you and me as believers, we have something that a billboard can't do. We love. It's really hard to feel love relationally through a billboard, don't you think? And so God has called us as his ambassadors. He says, I've given you a message, but with it, there has to be love. You have something that no one else has. You have my love, and I've asked you to share it with the world. You and me are to be those vessels. Ephesians tells us that we are supposed to speak truth and love. It doesn't mean that we compromise on truth. We can stand firm on truth, but we can still do it in a loving way, can't we? That's what the world needs. That's what God expects of us, is to speak truth and love. What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. As we're going out and we share the truths of the world, I wonder what they would say about this passage. They would probably tell us that we're really good at getting our truth out. The church hasn't had a problem with sharing truth. I would say the church has had a problem at times sharing love. I wonder if we ask them, that if we, do you think that the church has loved you? Have we shown patience? Have we shown kindness? I wonder what their answer would be. What would be the answer of those that you've interacted with this past week? Those unbelievers that you're supposed to be talking to and sharing the gospel with. How would they respond? Would they say that you have been loving to them? You see, the world, the world deals with truths every day. And it's the truth that they're experiencing in their life. The truth that the bank account's empty. That the marriage is falling apart. That they're having problems with their kids. That they're looking for a job. There's these truths that they deal with day after day. And do you know what they need? They need you and me to come alongside of them and love them. They need us to come alongside and love them where they're at. And in that, we can tell them the truth. There is a truth that matters and it's of the utmost importance. But they need us to come alongside and love them. They are in a place of brokenness and despair. 
we know what it was once like. And so we've got to come to them with love and grace and understanding so that when we deliver the message, it is full of truth and it is full of love at the same time. This past week, we were fortunate enough with the camp to have uh, about 60 ambassadors for Christ here between volunteers and the Windshaped staff. And they came and they poured into our kids. They poured in truth and they loved them all throughout the week. And they shared the gospel message with them. And I want to share with you this morning how they shared it with the kids. Because sometimes we make it more complicated than it needs to be. And so they shared it with them in a very simplistic way. And I want to share it with you because some of you need to hear the gospel this morning. And some of you need to take note of how, how it was told to the kids because it might be a way for you to share it with others. But they talked about these symbols all week and they started off with a heart and they told the kids that God loves you. God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. And then they showed them the cross and they said, because God loves you and wants a relationship with you, he gave Jesus. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And I want to point something out here. Notice how we started with love. That's where we have to start with it. Sometimes we skip that heart piece and we go straight to because of your sins, because of the things you've done wrong, because of all of these things, you're separated from God. And that's how we open the gospel. And that's not where we're supposed to start. We wonder why there's walls thrown up right away and it's not received. We have to start with the love of God and remind them that God loves you. God wants a relationship with you. And as the door opens to share more, then we get to carry on the conversation. And so God gave. We get to the third step, and it's we believe. You might be wondering why a chair. Well, they explain believing to these kids, saying that just like you have to have faith and believe that chair is going to hold you up when you sit on it, you have to have belief and faith in Jesus Christ, that he is who he says he is. And when you do that, we receive the gift of eternal life. I think this is an incredible way to share it. And some of you might be thinking, well, you know, it's been hard for me to share the gospel. My seven-year-old came home this week, and because of those symbols, she went through the whole gospel and shared it with our family. If a seven-year-old can share the gospel, so can you and me. Don't overcomplicate it. Make it that simple. And this morning, if, if you're the one that needed to receive that gospel and receive that message, and you're choosing to accept Jesus, don't forget to go out to starting point after service. We want to help you in, in that walk with Jesus. But it got me wondering, if we had 60 ambassadors pouring into those kids this week, and 14 kids came to know Jesus what do you think would happen if all of us got serious about being ambassadors for Christ? There's a lot more than 60 people in this room, and there's even more online. Can you imagine what would happen? Our community, be, community would be turned upside down. Our families would be turned upside down. We would see things happening in this church and in our community that probably we've never seen before if we got serious about being ambassadors for Christ. 
to bring the message to people, to be the representative of the kingdom, and to do it in truth and love. You and I have an incredible opportunity to be ambassadors for Christ. And it's part of our new identity. God's changed you and me. We've experienced God's love in ways that we can't imagine as children of God. And it's time to share that love with other people. That should be the driving force behind the gospel. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus. And we love God and others so much that we want to bring the people together with God. We have an opportunity to be ambassadors. But we have to take it serious. We have to go back to the beginning when we started about the other things that we tie ourselves to and realize and remind ourselves that our main responsibility is to tell people about Jesus, to live out that identity and to share that message, not the ones that uh, are tied to us in the world. It has to be about Jesus. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is most important to you in your life? What, what do you tie yourself to? Is it, is it the career? Is it these other things? Or is it Jesus? Because when you're passionate about Jesus, your identity forms around him and you begin to live it out every single day. And so we have the opportunity as God's new creation to be children of God, to be spirit-led, to bear fruit. We are God's masterpiece. We have the ability to do good works. And today, God's reminding us that because of that new identity, because of the love he has shared with us, we should turn around and share the good news through love and with love to everyone else that we can. You know, as we bring this series to a close, I just want to point out a couple things. And the first is this. In our world today, we're all probably struggling with identity more than we'd like to acknowledge and I know our, our young people, our youth, and our kids are being bombarded every day with things of identity. And I think it's important for us to remember in our new identity that we need to be encouraging one another. Whether it be in our life groups, our Sunday school, in our youth groups, at lunch with a believer, we need to be reminding each other of who we are in Christ. We need to be reminded that we're children of God and that we're God's masterpieces and, and how much he loves us. We need to fill each other with that and encourage each other with it. Because if we're not full with God's identity, then we're empty. And when we're empty, the world's going to do everything it can to fill us up. So I would rather pour into our kids and our youth and to each other and make sure that you and me, we are full of our identity so when the world comes knocking and tries to tell us who we are, we can push back and say, nope, I'm good. I know who I am. In fact, let me tell you who I am. Let me share the good news with you. And let me do it in a loving way. You know, Jesus tells us that we're supposed to love God and love one another. I hope you know that identity plays a part in that. Because when we accept our identity when we live out our identity and we find that peace and the contentment with who we are only through Jesus, we're loving God through that identity. We are telling him that we love him. And when we find that place of identity and that peace and the contentment, guess what? It opens up the door for us to look and view other people in a different light too. 
Now through my eyes, I can see that you are also God's masterpiece, that you have value, you have worth, and my appreciation for you grows. And I begin to love you in the way that God has called us to love each other so we can love God and love our neighbor through our identity when we accept it because everything flows from that. And now we no longer are competing or comparing ourselves, but we realize that we need each other. We were made to be in community, to encourage, to support. We've got different gifts and different abilities, but we've been brought together to be one. But we have to recognize how identity plays a part in that. Identity is crucial to everything. It is a part of who we are. It is our DNA, and we need to remember it each and every day. So be encouraging one another. Well, I hope that this series has been challenging for you like it has for me, and I hope that you really take to heart your identity, that you are a new creation, that you're a child of God, that you are a masterpiece, and that you are now an ambassador. But let's come together. Let's encourage one another, and let's be the ambassadors that this community needs, and let's just share the truth and the love of Jesus as often as we can with everyone we can. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our identity. We are thankful that you have changed us and you have made us new. We are no longer who we used to be. Help us to live out that identity. We feel your love in this new identity, and so may your love flow through each of us. Help us to be your vessel of truth and love. Help us to be the messenger and the representative that you need us to be in this world. Thank you for the love that comes from you, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.